All right, happy Mother's Day. No costume today. So everybody can take a deep breath. <laughs> I don't know what you were expecting, but uh, it is, uh, in case you're wondering what that has to do with, if you're new, we did a series and there were some little outfits, more outfits than costumes. I got lazier as we went along, let's be honest. You know, by the last week, I was like, it's a tie and a suit jacket. That's all I got for you. But uh, it is great to see everybody here. Thank you for tuning in online. Uh, if you came in a little later, logged on a little late, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads, and it's good to celebrate Mother's Day today. Uh, but I will tell you this, it's a frightening day. This is a frightening day for, for me. It's, out of all the weeks, uh, all the weeks, Mother's Day is the week that scares the snot out of me to talk on. It really does. But because here's the thing, you always have to start with Happy Mother's Day. And now I've got to think of who do I need to say Happy Mother's Day to? So I've got to say Happy Mother's Day to my mother, Sue, who's watching. I, have to, I hope she's watching. Uh, <laughs> she might be like, it's Mother's Day. I'm not putting up with you again, right? Uh, we have to say uh, mother, Happy Mother's Day to my sister, Melissa. Uh, who is probably not watching, let's be honest. If you've met her, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, uh, um, but probably not. Uh, I have to say happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law, Cindy, who some of you have met. She's been here before. And I have to say, of course, happy Mother's Day to Wendy, who's with our special needs kiddos right now uh, here in the building. And, uh, and I also have to say happy Mother's Day to Justine, who's kind of uh, a, a young woman who we was a part of our life, is a part of our, our kids think of her as a sister, and uh, she's a wonderful mom too, so happy Mother's Day to Justine. So I got to get through that, all right? So I nailed that. Uh, but now I have to realize that Mother's Day is one of the most difficult messages to give all year long. And I feel like I've done pretty well because the last kind of like four or five years of my life, I've, I've, I've basically kind of given a variation of the same message, like, here's all the lessons we can learn from Mother Teresa, you can't go wrong with that one, right? Like, you just can't. You cannot go wrong with that message. But we're venturing out this year and going to talk a little bit about a God who mothers us. Uh, but it's tricky. It's a real tricky one. So I just need, I need extra grace. As many of you know, uh, it is my spiritual gift to offend people. I don't try to do it. It's one of those things that comes naturally. So for some people, walking is natural. Mine is saying spiritual things that are offensive to church people, and I don't even mean to do it. So if I say that, always follow up with me, because I probably have changed my mind since I said it, okay? Um, uh, that's just the reality of it. But, but it's a tricky day, because here's the reality. Some of you all have come into Mother's Day uh, weekend and this celebration, whether you're in the room or in the atrium or online or you're at home, or maybe you're even listening to this later on in the week, um, but some of us come in celebrating. We're excited about the day. Like some of us walk in and we go, man, this is such a wonderful day. I'm being celebrated or I get to celebrate my, the mother of my children or I get to, I mean, this is a, such a beautiful day and we're celebrating and we got pictures and we got refreshments. It's like the first time we've had refreshments since COVID happened. It's crazy. I want to thank all the mothers for that right? We go, man, this is awesome. And, and, and then there's, there's the reality that some of us come into this weekend, you're sitting in the same exact room, getting ready to listen to the same exact message, walk through the same exact weekend, and you're in grief. Like we come into this space grieving because we want to be a mother and we're not. We come into this space grieving because this reminds us that our mother is not with us anymore on this earth. And no matter whether that was 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago, that pain is acutely felt on a day like today. And there's grief and there's loss. There's mothers who have lost children that come into this space and this is a very difficult moment. 
So some come in celebrating, and some come in grieving, and then some come in just deeply frustrated. Frustrated. Frustrated because they say, yeah, Mother's Day is wonderful, but, but I don't want uh, who I am as a person to be defined by my ability to reproduce. That doesn't need to be the highest order or the highest accomplishment of my life, which has been told to me maybe over and over again in a church service. I don't need that pressure. <laughs> I don't need to be given to me this idealized idea of what a mom is and all this pressure on me to be perfect and to never make a mistake. Some people walk in here frustrated because uh, you're experiencing, again, yet another moment where you feel disconnected from society at large because here's a day that has a gendered reality and in your world and in your life, gender is something that has been very difficult for you. Perhaps you are a transgender person. Perhaps you consider yourself non-binary or non-gender conforming. And so here's yet another day that just exposes a wound in your heart and your life that says, I don't know where I fit and, and I don't know if I'm even going to be able to fit here. And is this going to be a church that accepts me? And so you come in frustrated with the day. And, and over the past, and this is no exaggeration, over the past like five weeks as I've really thought about this and labored and lost sleep over how do you do this, what I came to the conclusion of was the very fact that we all bring such strong emotions to this day, whether it's celebration or grief or frustration, the fact that we have such deep emotions tells me something about how we are created. It tells me that, that the idea of mothering and motherhood is vital to our well-being. That there's something about this reality that is gendered of, like, we have this innate, like, longing for, I actually think, uh, approval, recognition, understanding from all genders, from a, a diversity of genders. And so we come to this day because there's something in our DNA, there's something in our psyche that says, Mothering, motherhood, mothers, this experience, what, what in different cultures looks differently, those kind of marks that oftentimes are culturally bound of what a mother is or isn't, like those are vital to us. And if they weren't vital, if they weren't important, if they didn't matter, we would come to this day very neutral, like, meh, who cares? Let's move on. But we don't. We come to this day heightened with emotion. I, I just very quickly, like, uh, did a quick like Google search on the importance of mother's motherhood, and I tried to go into like more academically, scientific, psychologically driven journals. And over and over and over again, in science and in uh, the social sciences and in psychology and sociology, we see it's evidence-based. There is something that's important about our development of having women in our lives that are mothering, that are pouring into us. And when that doesn't happen, there's something that's a part of us that we long for. There's not something that's necessarily broken. Don't hear that. See, that's where I can get close to offending somebody. That's not what I'm saying. But there's something in us that oftentimes is left longing or that we're looking for in someplace else. And so I wanted to take a few moments today and look at some wisdom in Scripture. So if you've been around here for a little while, you've gotten to know me a bit at Crossroads, like we think of the Scripture as this book of wisdom. I don't come to the Scripture as a rule book. I'm not looking for rules from Scripture. I think that's problematic. I think that's caused a lot of pain, a lot of violence, a lot of death in the world. But there's a lot of wisdom in Scripture, this collection of writings that's foundational to the Christian faith that is in some very mysterious way inspired, that brings hope into our lives, that oftentimes God, the universe, whatever word you want to use, will use to speak to us. It helps us understand who the historical Jesus was all, what the historical Jesus was all about. And so I wanted to 
go and say, what does the scripture actually give us? Is there any wisdom around this idea of mothering, mothering, as it relates to God? This, this, this reality, that's how I think of God, this reality that is undergirding and existing and is found in all things. And so there's a couple of things I'd love to just share with you for a few minutes, and then we'll have a wonderful Mother's Day blessing, a great song, coffee refreshments, and you can get out of here. Does that sound good? All right, so here's the first thing just to, I think is important in Scripture is that gender diversity is a reflection of the divine image. That gender diversity is a reflection of the divine image. And we have a tendency, uh, many of us, to kind of live in a binary world of gender. And I understand that, especially if you grew up in kind of the evangelical church and we've heard and heard sermons and all of those things. And we think about gender in this very binary way. But th- what the world is telling us, what reality is showing us, what science is revealing, is that gender isn't necessarily as binary as we thought. Uh, and that there is this spectrum within it. And there is this reality of gender dysphoria that's based upon the ideas of these binary concepts. But the truth is, like, gender diversity is a reflection of God. And we see it at the very beginning in Genesis. Now, I say the very beginning. This wasn't the first thing ever written in the Bible. It was probably written far, far after it actually was thought to take place. But it's this beautiful story that brings meaning to creation, meaning to the world. Uh, it's, it's us grappling with why we're here. And so Genesis chapter 1 is one of the creation stories that's found in Scripture. There's actually numerous creation stories. Uh, some might call them myths, but myths doesn't mean anything like negative. It's just, it's a meaning-making story. It provides meaning for us and gives us an understanding that's deeper than historicity or science. Because again, I come to Scripture as, Scripture is theology, not science. They're two different things, right? And so they don't have to be opposed to one another, but they're just different. In Genesis chapter 1, we have this great story uh, from the Hebrew heart and mind about the creation of the world. And it culminates this first creation story. It's the idea of six days of creation. And it culminates on the sixth day with God creating uh, humanity. And it says this, then God said, let us, which is the first question mark, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness. So you have God, and then there's this plurality that's being spoken of. And there's lots of reasons and explanations for that and theories. Uh, the one that is probably most prominent for most of us who've grown up in the church or grown up in post, say, Constantine-like ways of thinking and Trinitarian theology, oh, that was the Trinity. Right? That was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together. But remember, like when this is written, there's no concept of the Trinity, right? So we have to ask ourselves, well, what does the author here mean? And the author would have been uh, writing at a time where it would have been perfectly understandable to think about God uh, as a part of other heavenly hosts and divine beings participating in creation and participating in this. And we see this over and over again in, in the Old Testament, in the prophetic writings. There's a divine court. There's a divine council. But it's amazing that it's let us make humanity, mankind, in our image. And then what is that? Part of that image is the diversity of gender. So it says God created mankind in his image. And I forgive the masculine uh, pronoun there. That's just the way patriarchy works, all right? So we have to remember that's a patriarchal reality, not a cosmic one. So it says God created mankind in in his image. In the image of God, he created them. And here's part of the diversity, male and female. Let us create mankind in our image, male and female. And, and the reality is Jesus talks about this very weird statement um, that when there's this conversation about divorce and, and, you know, they're trying to trick Jesus. Maybe you're familiar with this story. And, and they say, well, you know, this person, this, this woman, she has married and then her husband dies and another person marries and then it goes down the list and it says, you know, at the resurrection, 
who is this woman married to? And Jesus is like, well, you get it all wrong. She's not going to be married to any of them because the resurrection shall be like the angels. You won't be married or given in marriage. And there's the often question, well, what is that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Where's the gendered reality in that? And so all that to say that we shouldn't run away or hide from the, this idea of, of a diversity of gender within the divine reality. We should grab a hold of that. And then God says in Genesis 1, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, right? This is the idea of the diversity of gender as a part of the, the and I want to say dominion, but that oftentimes gets like really heavy-handed, the, the stewardship of this world, of God's world. Not this world, God's world. So that's fundamental to me. Like, this is not mine. <laughs> it's not yours either. This is God's which plays into all types of ways in which we think about borders and boundaries. But this is God's world. We're stewarding it. So that's the first thing that I think we ought to remember as we walk into Moses Day, that, that gender diversity is wonderful, powerful, and we should celebrate that. We should celebrate genders. There's, there's, it's important. Uh, it's important. Now, the second thing I would say is that there are all these kind of beautiful images that we get of God that are attached to mothering. And, and we don't oftentimes hear about them or talk about them, but they are there. So one thing is that we see in Scripture is that God remembers uh, the people of God, remembers humanity, remembers Israel like a nursing mother and offers compassion like an expecting mother would or like a, a, a mother who carried a child in their womb. Isaiah, one of the great prophetic books that we have, Isaiah 49, 15 says this, says, can a woman forget her nursing child? or show no compassion for the child of her womb. And we would look at the world and say, yeah, that happens. <laughs> but the point of the question is, it shouldn't happen. Of course not. Never would it happen. But here's what the scripture says. Even these may forget. In other words, that might happen, but God will never forget you because God's going to live that truth out in, in this life. God's going to live that truth out. That God will remember you as a nursing mother. God will remember you as one who carried you in God's womb. We don't often hear that or think about that. We also have passages that give us the imagery of God giving birth. God giving birth. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 18, Deuteronomy is a book in the Old Testament, part of what's called the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. They're attributed to Moses' leadership. And in Deuteronomy 32, 18, there, in, in chapter 32, there's this reference to God being the rock, Right, the rock that guided them, and it gives imagery to um, part of the story of the Israelites wandering and water from a rock, and so it's one of the images, one metaphors that we get about God providing. But it says this in thirty-two eighteen: says, "You were unmindful of the rock that bore you." Some translations say that begot you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Right, we get this image very early on in the literature, very early on in the Magi's that wow, like this God gives birth. Uh, Jesus would talk to a Pharisee and say, unless you're born again, born of the Spirit, right? So there's this birth language that is highly gendered, that's highly in this reality of female uh, wisdom and, 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 and female power. And that's ascribed to God. Another thing that we see in Scripture is that God's comfort is oftentimes described as the comfort of a mother or motherhood. That there's something unique about that comfort that comes. 
And, it's, and, and so like Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13 says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Perhaps you're familiar with the story of Jesus as he overlooks Jerusalem and his heart is broken for the city and for what's happening and for what's going to happen. And he looks and says, Oh, how I've longed to gather you as a mother hen would gather her chicks and protect. Right? There's this beautiful image that the comfort of God is like the comfort of a mother. And I love this one. This one's pretty, pretty cool. In Scripture, we see these images that God prepares us for life just like a mother eagle prepares her eaglets for life. This is a beautiful portion of Scripture. It's found in the same chapter of Deuteronomy that talks about the God who gave birth in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 11 and 12, it says, Like the eagle that, that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, God spreads wings to catch you and carries you on pinions. Pinions are a part of the wings of the eagle that are strong. I didn't know that. I had to look that up. I'm not a bird watcher. So I don't want you to think, man, that guy knows everything. I Googled it. All right? I just Googled it. Do not ask me a question about bird. Orthography. Is that what it's called? Orthography? No. What is it called? Ornithology. Thank you. Who said that? Raise your hand. I'm nice and high. You don't have to give in the offering today. Very good. Very good. Very good. That was just a joke. Everybody laughed. Uh, you still have to. Um, <laughs> right? So I'm not that, what she said. Uh, but that's the, 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 the part of the wing that is strong on the edges. And this is really fascinating that God spreads these wings to catch you. Now, this comes from a very powerful kind of, I looked this up again. This imagery is really amazing. So what happens when, a, when, a, uh, a, uh, when an eagle knows, okay, I'm, I'm getting ready to have eaglets, however that happens in an eagle's mind or heart or psyche or soul or being, hood, I don't know. But they begin to make this big nest. So they go up high branch, edge of, you know, edge of a ledge, something like that, and they build this big nest. And so they go and they get thorns and thistles and sticks, create this huge nest. And then what the eagle does is the eagle will go and get feathers and leaves and grass and create a nice, cushy, soft bed. Lay the eggs. The eggs will hatch. Little eaglets will start to grow, just get all cozy in the nest. And you know what the eagle will do? I know at least one person does because they know what orthonography is. But maybe you're like me and you didn't know. The eagle will start to like, every day just take out some of those feathers. Every day just take out some of that grass, making the nest more and more uncomfortable. To where finally these eaglets are like, what the heck is going on? That's exactly what they say. They become teenagers, right? <laughs> they become teenagers <laughs> you can't do anything right, Mama Eagle, whatever they say, right? And so at some point in time, this mother eagle will take the eaglets without any preparation, without any practice. They didn't get their flying permit. They didn't go down to the, you know, FMV to figure out how to get their license. They just get shoved out of that nest, just shoved out, and they just start to free fall. And what does this mother eagle do? Just laughs and watches them. Just laughs and watches. And then we'll leave the nest, fly down, spread her wings, and catch that eaglet. And that eaglet will experience flight on the wings of the mother and be hooked for life, right? Hooked for life. 
What a powerful image of a God who cares and prepares and throws us out of the nest, but is always catching us. We can always mount up on wings like eagles, and we can always soar in the strength of a God who mothers. So what I don't want us to miss on this Mother's Day is that the Bible itself, which is a collection, it's not a singular book, it's a collection of writings over many, many, many centuries, but the Bible presents a God that is shaped like a mother's heart, a perfect mother's heart, the ideal of that, particularly within the imagination of a patriarchal Hebraic culture. And so we always hold that intention, but we recognize like there was no problem, no problem in the imagination of our ancestors in the faith to think of God as one who mothers and as a mother. And so what about in your life? What is this, how does this affect you in your soul care and your spirituality and the way you engage in the world as you think about mothering your everyday normal life? So here's what I would encourage. A couple things. Number one, as you go throughout today, as you go throughout the week, honor both mothers and motherhood, okay? Honor both the gendered reality of mother, right? But also honor motherhood, the things that we see across genders, the, the, the way in which we see people impacting our lives in what we traditionally think of as what mothers bring to our lives, encouragement and strength, wings like eagles. And so we honor that where we see it. And part of honoring mothers is, I want to encourage you today to show gratitude to the women who've invested in your life. Show gratitude to those women, right? Whoever they might be, to the women in particular, because I do think that there's something very important about gender. The fact that we have a gender spectrum, the fact that, that we, we, we need to become more sensitive and understanding does not in any way mean that we should get rid of it. I think it's very powerful. In all of this preparation, the conversations I would have with friends that were transgender around Mother's Day, gender is very important. People don't go through tremendous, tremendous pain and suffering costs in a process of healing through transgender, through gender confirmation if gender wasn't important. So I would suggest that we do honor the women in our lives. And today is a beautiful catalytic moment for that to happen, right? And then I would encourage you, if you're here today and you feel like you're in that category, and by here I mean you're tuning in, you're participating, you're listening at some point in time, and you're in that category where today is frustrating, or today is filled with grief, let's call that whole basket anguish. I want to encourage you to bring your Mother's Day anguish to God. Bring your Mother's Day anguish to God. You don't have to carry that and hold it yourself. You don't, have to be, you don't have to put on the happy face to pretend like it's not difficult. You don't have to be inauthentic. But there's a God who can carry and sustain and comfort. There's a, a woman named Amy Simpson. She's an author and a speaker and a blogger. I never really heard much about her, but I, in my research I came across a blog post that she wrote called God as Mother to the Motherless. Uh, just kind of a, a wonderfully encouraging, if you write that down, you might want to Google it and read the whole thing at some point in time, but God is mother to the motherless, and she talks about the pain that Mother's Day brings to her life because she lost her mother, I believe in the post she talks about it about 20 or 30 years ago, to schizophrenia. 
and, her, and it marked her life, like this, this life of caring for, of providing, of longing for a mother figure in her world. And, and she talks about all the grief and the loss and the pain that Mother's Day brings. And this is what she says in her blog. She says, on Mother's Day, I sat through yet another sermon that idealized moms, <laughs> hence no pressure on Ryan, right? <laughs> in the same room, I don't want to do that, right? But she said, I just sat there and I responded in a usual way. My response was this acidic mix of anger, of grief, and longing. And it all just boiled to the surface, she wrote. She said, you know, I had some time to myself on that day, and perhaps for the first time I just opened the floodgates, and I let the wave come pouring out of me before God. And she said, when my sobs kind of came to an end and they settled, and it just ended up being this kind of quiet ache in my being, she said, I told God what I longed for. She said, God, I want a mother. I long for a mother who could guide me, who could pass along what she's learned about life around the next corner, cheer me on and soothe me with reminders of her love, and occasionally let me rest in her wisdom and strength. She said, I asked God to deaden my longing for someone that would, that would fulfill this in my life. Deaden that longing that I want someone who could partially fulfill it. And she said, as I was praying, suddenly the phrase from Psalm 68.5 came to my mind, Father to the fatherless. And she said, for the first time, I thought, Mother to the motherless. That this was a possibility I had never considered that God could fulfill my need for a mother. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's hard for many of us who've grown up still in the shadow of patriarchy, idealizing and calling certain pronouns of God as the way God is and assuming gender upon God and not seeing God as the fulfilling of all gender. And we can get crazy and weird about it, but it's such a beautiful, important reality that we hold that God is not he or she, but God is all. <laughs> and when we need God to mother She's there. And see, the reality is he and she pronouns for God are equally incorrect. <laughs> They're equally inadequate. We become comfortable with one, but they both are insufficient because God is so much more than that. God is the best of all of that when we experience it. And the last thing I would encourage us to remember and to allow to just kind of speak into our lives is that something that I believe to be very true is that we ought to remember that the birthing center of every hospital is holy ground. That the birthing center of every hospital is holy ground. And here's what I mean by that. I do believe that the reality of natural child, it's not that every person should have, again, <laughs> just please hear me, okay? It's not that natural childbirth is the only way to mother. Okay, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that there's something very powerful about what happens in our ability to understand love when natural childbirth takes place. And I think that there's a miracle that takes place in, and gets imparted in all other ways as well. But let me just talk about the natural birth process. Well, I'm not going to talk about the natural birth process. I'm going to talk about what I think happens spiritually in the natural birth process. Okay, totally different. You see, some of you started to take your children out. You know, you're, too, you're logging off. I'm like, no, wrong lesson, okay, wrong lesson. 
there's this really interesting little, little statement that Paul makes in one of the, the letters uh, in the New Testament. And it's ascribed to Paul. Don't know that actually Paul wrote that letter, but it's one of the quote-unquote Pauline letters. And he makes this statement that's like, perhaps women will be saved through childbirth. Okay, And there's all kinds of ways that's been talked about. But here's just my take on that. Right, I think the de- depth of meaning of that passage and what we see is that something happens in the natural birth that we realize what love actually is. And I, and I think it gives those of you that have had the privilege, I don't know exactly the word you want to use for that, but those of you that had the experience of natural childbirth, right, and I just mean carrying a child, you get it. Like, you, you get it more than I ever will. You get what it is to birth someone to create someone, to carry to, to your own like physical body, to nurture and feed and care for and sustain, and to all of a sudden hold that separate from you, and it's still a part of you, right? And that's God. <laughs> like, that's God. And so I do believe that giving birth to a child places a deep and profound knowledge and understanding of the divine, unconditional love, this divine, unbreakable connection that God has with all of creation because God has birthed all of it, all of it. And so I do think that childbirth can save us. (laughs) I believe it can save us from this tragic understanding of love that it's somehow earned, that it's somehow based on behavior versus what I think childbirth reveals is that divine love, true love, love at its core is based on being, just being, not behavior. And so the rat race of trying to please God, the fear that's found in God, boy, there's just something, there's something about that birth process that says, how could I ever not love you? You are me and I am you. And when you think about things that Jesus would say, that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, we're one. I pray that you would be the same. Like, it's that understanding of God that's so powerful, and it's trying to press in against all the cultural, religious understandings of love. And we even see it in Scripture, right? We see the ebb and flow of our just natural instinct to turn it into earned, to turn it into, if I say the prayer, if I go to this church, if I'm a part of this religion, if I'm, but what Jesus is revealing so beautifully is, eh, no. And so today is a day we can celebrate this call that we constantly need in our lives back into love that is based on being and not behavior. And here's the beauty of it. I believe this deeply, that only, only a love that's grounded in being and not behavior can save the world from fear and exclusion and violence. That's the only way it happens because if, it, if, if my love for my neighbor is not grounded in any part of their behavior but just in their being, how could I ever exclude? How could I ever have violence towards? How could I ever be afraid of? Right? At, at the fundamental level. That's, that's the only love that can save this world. It's the only kind of love that would take Jesus to the cross. And so motherhood and mothering in its fullest, in its divine sense, gives us a beautiful picture of what divine grace looks like, of what unbreakable connection to someone is and what unconditional love really is. I mean, right at the end of the day, what 
could ever separate us from the love of God. I'm convinced that neither height nor depth, oceans, nothing in heaven and earth, heaven and hell, the language, could ever separate us from the love of God. I think that's the beauty of this day. I think that's the beauty that so many of you who are mothers can remind us and show us and you get a jump start on this understanding. I, I mean, I see it. I'm just, I see it. I see it in my own life. I see it in people. I just, I see the way. I just see the way love works differently based upon different relationships and there's something powerful there. And we ought to honor that and celebrate that. And that's why the day is so full of emotion. That's why the day is so charged. And that's why God is so good to just meet us where we are in it. So as we wrap up, what's God inviting you into today, in this Mother's Day? Wherever you are in your journey with what's happening with motherhood and mothering in your own life, I hope that maybe you experience the Spirit of God whispering to just express your gratitude. Express your gratitude to the people that have mothered you today. Figure out some simple way to do that. I want to I pray and hope that all of us are being encouraged to hold the beauty of both metaphors, father and mother, that today we're being freed in a bit from this sense that we should somehow fear the idea of female pronouns with God, that we should somehow fear the idea of the imagery of God as mother, because that only gives us a more full and beautiful picture of this great mystery that is God. And I would hope that we would all learn to hold a love for people like a mother loves a child, grounded in being and not belonging. I hope that. I hope that's what we're being invited into because I do believe that that can transform the world. I do believe that can save the world. And Jesus shows us that and reveals us that and why Jesus gets to say he's the savior of the world because I do think a love that loves everyone is the salvation of the world. So we have a Mother's Day blessing for everybody today and then this fun song and I'll be back out to just get you out of here to enjoy the rest of the day.